to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello, 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 everybody, far and wide, near and nearby. <laughs> My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and I'm here with my co-host today, Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. Heya! Hello. Hello. Together we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of usually learning today, teaching another language. Lindsay, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. How are you? I'm all right. You know, I have, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a language learning lull. A lull, lull of learning. Lull, 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 lull. <laughs> but we know it just happens sometimes, doesn't it? I just can't seem oh, yeah. to. I can't seem to add anything to Welsh. No, no matter how much I try, nothing really sticks. Chinese did for a bit. Italian never really came, although I had a full intention. So I'm still. I'm still doing Welsh. Yeah. Um, and taking classes and um, recently watching a new drama called Ram Gwedva. Um, but that's it. Really? Fair enough. Is Fair this a enough. lull? Is this what? Sorry, normal. No, is this a lull or is it a? Am I actually just no. fine? I think you're just fine. There's no rule that says you have to do more than one language. True, true. Well, you, you know, it's the fluent show. You got to impress. But <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> what does fluent even mean? <laughs> it's true it's true and just what an example actually that external motivation just doesn't quite cut it so let's see how i am in the welsh summer break because we're nearly at the end of term what about you you're out um, of a lull well yeah i'm doing russian very just slow and steady because um obviously like i think we mentioned last time i was on um lots of uh stuff going on husband got hit by a car on his bike and all that so um yeah it's been it's been a busy time mm-hmm. I've also been trying to figure out how to write my next master's assignment about metaphor because Ooh. when you suddenly read like academic writing on metaphor you're like okay so everything is a metaphor cool right got it <laughs> And then <laughs> you look again and you're like, oh, so nothing is a metaphor then. This is nonsense. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so that's that's where I am. But then my Russian like just fits into these nice little pockets sort of in between of just like, okay, I can do some Russian now. I've got some time. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Adlichna. Yeah. Are you enjoying Russian? You know, I am. It's and I know we spoke about this. I think it was when we were in Dubrovnik. I remember having a conversation oh. with you about how like Russian and Arabic I'd always kind of avoided. And I think you agreed with me for the same reasoning of like it always felt like they were big languages that mm. needed absolute commitment to a hundred percent native like fluency. And I'm really enjoying just being able to learn without that pressure. But it's interesting because even when, you know, like I share my notes and stuff on Instagram and I'm not asking for corrections or anything, I'm just literally sharing the process and there'll always be. And, and no, you know, I'm not saying this in terms of like hate or anything, but there'll always be someone that will then offer an unsolicited correction mm-hmm. on my notes that are essentially a work in progress. So, yeah, yeah that's fun. <laughs> I wonder if there is a way of, you know how you have corrections welcome, the hashtag. Corrections you think, not welcome. Yeah, corrections declined. Let me, you know, let me be an idiot here. Let, oh, not an idiot, but, you know, let me make my own mistakes. Yeah, because I wonder, like, what's the way to do that without it sounding rude? I don't I don't know. Because um, I just assume, like, if I'm not saying corrections welcome, then corrections are not welcome. But maybe I have assumed wrong. I think it is, well, that okay, the assumption number one is here that somebody would actually read your description in detail, but if they were to do that, I think it's right. fine to say something like, um, I'm going to go through these with my teacher, or to just say, um, please refrain from pointing out my errors, I'm still developing my confidence in this language, or to say something like, these notes are a work in progress, I'm going to go through them later. Um, 
and actually say something like, oh, I don't, you can actually just say, I think, I don't want you to, oh, please don't comment and correct these. I feel like, yeah, this needs to be like a copy and paste disclaimer on every, <laughs> <laughs> it's not... every post. Just like, leave me alone. Let me live. Yeah, What's it's that not from? personal, is it? It's not personal to the person correcting. I'm sure they mean well, but at the same yeah, time, absolutely. it's also That's not what personal to you. Um, but each side can take it personal because this is a vulnerable space to be in. Yeah, and like I'm not taking it personally. And like you say, I know that it's it's coming from a good place. It's not people saying like, well, you got it wrong, so screw you. It's not that at all, I don't think. And that's not how I'm, mm-hmm. you know, responding. Um, no. But yeah, yeah, you just want to be able to share the whole thing. And I think part of that is this expectation almost that, anything we put out into the world is finished and is perfect and polished and so actually we're still or I feel at least like I am definitely like trying to carve out this bit in the middle where we can say look I'm sharing things that aren't finished that aren't you know fluent when we're talking about language I just want to be able to share that as well as you know so yeah I don't know how we got to here, but anyway. Yes, it's true. <laughs> well, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting place to be. You're making me reflect on, you know, I the amount of bad Welsh I have put out into the world, but maybe because it's a minority language, a smaller language, uh, maybe because people don't claim it in the same way, maybe because of cultural differences. Don't know, don't know, don't know. Um, luckily, lucky for me, people have just let me get away with it. And isn't that the joy of learning? absolutely you know Lindsay who wouldn't let you get away with it you know where you 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 you're only going to get points if you fill in the gaps correctly go on in Clubsmaster the sponsor of the fluent show this week nice segue I thought you were going to say teachers oh teachers no that's no that would be harsh wouldn't it I thought we were going straight into the topic I have to give a shout out to the Fluent Show sponsor. Absolutely. Clothesmaster, like I hinted earlier, Clothesmaster is a gamified language learning app where you do get points if you fill in the gaps in a sentence correctly. It's available now in over 70, 70 languages. Mass, mass, mass amount of languages. And I enjoy it so, so much. I enjoy the interface. I enjoy the way it's really, really quick. And I have recently found in Chinese that there is a HSK1 collection. So the language content is appropriate for my level. They've got these sort of exam collections, not in every language, but in Chinese there was one. And that means I can just use it really easily. And I found it's really good way to practice, you know, not learn something new necessarily, but just practice my skills, keep them all fresh. And if you also love practicing your language with apps that focus on vocab and keep your skills sharp, then do head out to clothesmaster.com slash fluent show. That is C-L-O- Z-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot com slash Fluent Show. I've made you a little video where you can have a look around. And I'm also going to pop my latest review, latest as if I did one before, my new review of Clothesmaster that was on my blog into the show notes so that you can read step by step what I think about it, who it's best for, and why I agree with the tagline, which is Clothesmaster is the app that you need after Duolingo. It's a great, great Ooh. little app. Isn't that good? I like it. I like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and I think it's right because Duolingo is where you, you know, you learn more new stuff and Clothesmaster is not necessarily so new stuff. It's more practice what you already know. And every now and then you might add a word here and there, but that is it. Okay. So thank you so much to Clothesmaster for sponsoring the Fluent Show. And listeners, just to make you aware, I'll mention this at the end as well. Uh, after this episode, because we're on 220, we're finishing teaching season. Snaps, we're finishing teaching season. And we are going into the Fluent Show summer break. So I will hear you back in a few months. Or you will hear me back, really, in a few months from now. Enjoy the summer. Have a little bit of recovery after some 
crazy, crazy, crazy years, right? And if you are a patron, your subscription is also going to be updated and I'm going to message you on Patreon about that. And we're gonna go out with, we're gonna go out of teaching season with a bit of a bang. Lindsay, I brought you in because like me, we've got a lot of online teaching experience between us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because online teaching to me used to mean I teach a lesson, you know, on for one hour. For one hour, yeah. With a headset, like you're in a call center. <laughs> True. On Skype. Yeah. This is before Zoom even existed, right? It was it was Skype and then later it became Zoom. Um and I also did like Google Hangouts and all that kind of stuff, but it was always okay, I meet you on video and then later is when I started making online courses and developing all this stuff. And I feel that that's the way that as a language teacher, you really can kind of grow and diversify a little bit. And all the way through that, there are so many tools that are useful to use. And I think Skype and Zoom are probably the obvious ones at this point. And in today's episode, I wanted to go a little bit into teaching specific top tools. Yeah, top tools for online teachers. Uh, Lindsay, you've brought three to the table today, have you? I have. Amazing. So you've brought three of them and they really come from our perspective, not as new starters, but sort of tools for me, at least. These are the tools that I really keep coming back to and I think can just make your life a little bit easier as an online teacher you might be somebody who has developed online courses before. You might be somebody who meets with people for an hour on Skype a few times a week. Or you might be somebody who's developing something in between. You'll find something useful among these. And as always with top tools, I bring free suggestions. Lindsay brings free suggestions. And at the end, we decide together what the top tool for teachers is going to be. Lindsay Williams, do you want to kick us off? I think I've done a lot of talking. I can do that. Yeah. So I know when we spoke about this and I said, okay, well, I've got some tools, but I've also got like the general concept of what they do. Um, And we wanted to be specific with tools, but I will share a little bit about the concept because I think it's very easy to feel when you're teaching online, like if you don't have this one specific email provider or this exact online course host that everyone talks about, then OMG failed and that's just not the case um but yeah so we'll talk about them and I'll start off with the first one which is essentially a scheduler but Mm -hmm. I'll specifically talk about the one that I use right does that make sense absolutely yeah let's talk about what a scheduler is what it does and then why you like the one that you like so when you're teaching languages online, whether you do the one-on-one stuff or not, whether or not you have, well, in fact, even if you don't do any one-on-one stuff at all, there's still going to be moments where, you know, you want to schedule like an Instagram live with another teacher, or you want to schedule a podcast interview because you're going to be interviewed on someone's podcast or anything like that. The easiest way, rather than 17 back and forth emails of like, okay, what about this date? that date works for me. Does that date work for you? Oh, but this time? Oh, no, sorry, I got the wrong time zone. Like, okay, haven't got time for that. (laughs) So you're going to need something to schedule and go straight to your calendar automatically, keep things nice and easy on that front. Um, So for me, I use, I used to use this really cool thing and I can't remember the name of it, but it would basically do it directly in the email. So you would just add like this little, press a little button and it would add your schedule in the email it was amazing but that now has disappeared so I use um tidy cal tidy cal I've never heard of it it's it sounds sounds tidy right tidy it's tidy yeah so it's like (laughs) super simple very very easy to use it's I think what they call an app sumo original so you may yeah if you've if you're listening you may have heard of app sumo um it tends to be a bit like a described as kind of a Groupon for online business, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But the original stuff is just their version, their very kind of simple version that does the job that you need. A Mm -hmm. bit like, um, 
Oh, they're not called Tesco Value anymore, are they? What's, what's another option? Waitrose Essentials. Waitrose Essentials. That's the one I went to as well. <laughs> Sainsbury's we Basics. <laughs> well, there's no Aldi Basics, is there? No, that's true. That's true. Anyway, it's it's that kind of thing. So it's very simple, very easy to use. And I think it's continually available for like $19, just a one-time payment, which is why I oh, like nice. it. Yeah. A lot of the other schedulers are like, yeah, it's just $10 a month, which is fine. But I'm not always scheduling that many meetings. And, you know, sometimes it's more than others. So this works really, really well for me. Um, and it connects to your Google Calendar and all that stuff. I have different ones. So I have them set up for like a 15 minute link that I can share out and people can schedule a 15 minute meeting, 30 minutes, an hour. So, yeah, that's my choice. Number one, tidy cow. I think that's I think that sounds really good, actually. And it's a great like you say, AppSumo. Oh, my God, we could have just put AppSumo on this list, right? <laughs> How did we not? Yeah. How did we not put AppSumo? OK, so listeners, AppSumo, if you're in, if you're doing anything, I think online, especially online businessy, AppSumo is always worth a look. I'll definitely I'll make a little note and I'll definitely pop that into the show notes, uh, which are going to be at fluent.show slash 220, by the way. Uh, yeah, AppSumo is like a sort of yeah, discount supermarket for your all your online business needs. They've got lots of um it's where lots of companies go when they want to get a lot of users and they're willing to give you a bargain because you're one of the first users and often you get something that then grows over time. And in fact it's where I got my scheduler as well. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, I got booked like a boss. I got I got something recently I haven't even got on my little list, but I will give a mention to because I'm really enjoying it. And that's called Warm Welcome. Oh. I don't think it's on there anymore because um, sometimes they're kind of limited time things. But you can probably still get it if you find the main website for Warm Welcome. But essentially, it's really good because I can send like little video messages, like personal video messages to people. Um, you know, I've got a little video on a little bubble on my website that like just comes up when when uh when people go on like you'd have a little sort of corner box you know yeah so yeah that's another one that I got from AppSumo that's really cool ace yes yes and I got mine a few years ago and it was sort of a pay for the lifetime price of $39 I think it was yeah. $39 um and I actually got my social media scheduler there as well which I don't love love Same. love love but does the job just fine <laughs> But yes, book like a boss. If you ever see it on AppSumo, that's another really, really good one. But yeah, tidy car, tidy car sounds neat, tidy. It's got all the options. Can it take payments? I think so. I've not investigated. I have a feeling. I mean, if it, if they can't now, they probably will down the line. You mm -hmm. know, and once you have it, you you'll have access to those anything that they add, any new features. Fabulous. So a scheduler for you as an online teacher, definitely a useful thing to do. Sometimes they're also called online booking systems or something like that. Um, a big name for it would be Acuity. So you could like Google for alternatives to Acuity or something like that. But it's definitely worth a look. And because like Lindsay mentioned, to be honest, going back and forth, trying to schedule lessons oh. is, it's a life thief and factoring in time zones makes everything so much more complicated. Whereas this just, you know, you send somebody the link to book you, you say, hey, Here's my 60 minute link. They look at it. It shows automatically to them in their time zone, their local time zone. So they don't need to do any calculating and converting, which is very, very difficult and easily confused with summertime and wintertime and God knows what. And it just makes life easier. Nice, nice and tidy. I like it. Okay, I'm going to come in with my first recommendation. Go on. Go on. It is, it's, it's Zoom, but it's, I didn't want to just go Zoom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but something really, really useful if you are practicing or working with groups in any kind of way, and I've seen it done in such versatile ways, in such different ways, is Zoom breakout rooms. Again, there will yes. be other video chat systems that also do breakout rooms. Like my Welsh class does Teams, but Microsoft Teams is, is not an app that I love. Whereas Zoom is easy to use. And in a Zoom breakout room, you can randomly get the machine to randomly put people in different rooms and say, I want say I've got 10 participants on my call. I want to make uh, two groups of four and a group of two. Um, and you just tell it which way you want people to split up. 
you can stay in the main room and then you just pop people into these different rooms. And like I said, either the machine does it randomly or you can go through really quite easily and allocate people into the different breakout rooms, give them different names so that you know, you know, say you're running a language exchange, you've got Spanish one, Spanish two, Russian one, Chinese one whatever it is you can just kind of know which rooms people are in and it allows you to sort of main what do you call it the main call is sort of like a lobby where you can stay in the lobby so if anyone new joins the call you are still there to welcome them you can allocate them into their own breakout room and if somebody doesn't like the room they're in they can come out they can kind of have a quick chat to you and i've seen these used in such different ways over the last kind of year, over Zoom year. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. Um, so I've seen it done for business networking. Um, my Toastmasters has used it in a really interesting sort of discussion group kind of way. Um, Lindsay, you've probably had some experiences with tutorials in remote learning at your university. And of course, like at Women in Language, Zoom was the basis for our big language exchange, which had what, 60, 70 people in. So it's so versatile. And for you as a teacher, it allows you to give your students that space to collaborate, to chat to each other, to have a little bit of a breather that is teacher free. I think it's I think it's fantastic. In my weekly Welsh class, the breakout room is the part that I look forward to the most. And my teacher's jokes, really. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. It's a good feature. Mm. Is there anything else in Zoom that you're aware of that is sort of super teacher friendly? Um, I made a video about this. <laughs> I think it was dated like the 15th of March, <laughs> the upload date last year. And I had this planned for months and I made this video, how to teach online with Zoom. And then all of a sudden it just blew up because of obvious reasons. Um, so, yeah, I, I talked through a lot of all the different things and the different ways you can use zoom teaching online so yeah i will try and get the link to you so we can put it in the show notes um because yes, basically you. every feature can be used you know when you're teaching languages depending on how you want to structure your sessions there's there's ways to use all the things that it does yeah it's just it's really rich oh that's funny your video <laughs> oh did it escape oh, yeah. from a lab do you think or did a bat tell you how to do it <laughs> no comment <laughs> So, yes, Zoom breakout rooms in particular, because I've seen them used and they're so easy to use. It's really it's really well set up. Um, that is my top tool. Number one. And I'm bouncing it back, kicking it back, passing the ball. We're recording on the day that Euro 2020 kicks pong. off. Pew! Oh, ping pong. <laughs> ping ponging it over the net to Lindsay. What's your top tool? Number two. My second is Thrivecart. So... In terms of generalness here, it's mm -hmm. a thing to take payment. Um, so if you have something like, say, Teachable or, um, you know, any other kind of course platform where you're hosting stuff, um, Gumroad even, any of those sorts of things, you've probably already got like a payment system built into those things. Um, but Thrivecart, it's really good because it just – it keeps it all separate. You're able to do a lot more. You've got a lot more control over it all. Um, and it connects a lot easier as well, I find, to things through. I know one of your um, top tools is, is going to be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't want to give us a big spoiler. I would say, I, do you think Thrivecard is... It's not really for, I wouldn't rec I wouldn't advise it for somebody who's like just beginning because no. there's a bit of an outlay, right? You have to pay about three, four hundred dollars for it. No, it's, yeah, you've got like, yeah, I think because they're still building a customer base. I think there's like the option, at least at the time of recording, where you get like a sort of one-time payment and you're in. Mm -hmm. But then it will be like a monthly after that. So if you're listening in the future, it may be like a monthly thing. But <laughs> I think, yeah, it's definitely something to sort of, advanced towards mm -hmm. like I say if you've already you know you've just started and you've got like your teachable stuff going on use the checkout in teachable like it's there you're paying for it use that first um and then this is something that you can get down the line and kind of connect um but yeah I think it's good just having it in its own space like I say it connects better it does it's easier to do more with um yeah I like it I like it a lot mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Thrivecart is, the great thing is that over time, what might happen is you might make different kinds of products and then come up also with services. And while yeah. we both mentioned Teachable because we use Teachable because we started using Teachable earlier because before it, it had a, a bigger barrier to use because it doesn't have a free plan anymore. But these days you've got much more, more versatile online teaching platforms. So a lot of people who are starting now might look at Kajabi or this Thinkific and, you know, all those kind of other big names. And again, please, 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 uh, when you're, if you're listening to this and you want to make online courses, don't necessarily think that you even have to do that. You don't even need a Teachable. It makes your life easier. But if you just have a lot of videos on your course, you can host them on Dropbox. And the great thing about something like Thrivecart is that it allows people to pay with more than PayPal. So you get the versatility of being yes. able to price in different currencies and take payments in different ways. Something I really love is that it allows you to, to uh, let people pay with Apple Pay and Google Pay, which just yeah. makes me feel so pro. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too and that, like you say I like you know especially for like sort of subscriptions and payment plans it's very easy for people to kind of like disappear and you know decide ah oh, I'm just going to cancel that within PayPal themselves mm. um you know and like if there were a significant reason why someone needed to cancel I wouldn't have a problem with that but if people were to just disappear obviously then there's a problem with that right and that's more within Thrivecart if it's um if it's done via you know bank sort of stripe and all of that sort of thing yeah and what I used to do um in was I mean I still do it sometimes but what I used to do for my lessons used to have to do was to invoice my students through my accounting system which yeah. is a fairly kind of cumbersome way of charging yeah. the sort of yeah. low amounts that go back and forth if you're an online teacher so you might have an online sort of accounting kind of thing so for example wave i've used in the past that's good if you're american um, now i use free agent which i didn't put in the top tools because it's britain specific um, mm. but i think it's brilliant you can you can issue an invoice through that but that's sort of designed to you know if you were a big consultant invoicing IBM for an $18,000 product or something like that. It's kind of designed often with that in mind rather than the sort of small back and forth amount. So with, with something like Thrivecart, you can just pop something on your website and it's this really lightweight way for people to check out. That's true. That's true. You know, if you had as well like a student who was, you know, every month having two lessons with you, you can set up a subscription. So they, they do the sort of payment Mm -hmm. you know check out thing once and then it just rolls on a subscription until it needs to be needs to be cancelled if necessary so yeah it's it's just very very useful very very good I like it a lot that's it yes and over time because it's a lifetime deal I think it's a, it's a solid recommendation because you you invest in this and it kind of you just stick with it, I think, over yeah. over a longer time. And that's over, even for me now, I've not even had it that long. I think it's it's already been a good decision in terms of, in terms of budget, which is another thing that we have to think about in our businesses. <laughs> yeah. So Thrivecart, yes, absolutely. Maybe not if you're just starting your first kind of three lessons and you're getting set up on italki or something like that, just take payment however you want. But when you're ready for that next step, no matter if you're thinking online course or write a book or membership or whatever it is that's kind of bouncing around your mind this is a really nice way to take payments i've kind Agreed. of bigged up your choice there a lot <laughs> what's yeah what's your second one so My i can choice, it I can, that's it um is zapier Woo, zapier y'all ready for this <laughs> zapier Zapier, which is, oh, is I, I mean, I'm going to struggle to describe Zapier. It is a online, it's, it's a web service, web-based service that allows you to create workflows, sort of automations between various different web apps that don't actually talk to each other, but through Zapier, they will. So for example, say your student emails you assignments every week 
and you want to upload those into maybe Dropbox or into your Google Drive folder so that you've got them somewhere and you have to do all of this stuff where it's like you have to download it and then it's on your computer and then you have to put it here and then you have to give it this name and all that stuff. With Zapier, you could set something up where you just forward it or it just scans your inbox for emails from that student, say the student, um, say the email says assignment in the re, what's it called? Subject line, there you go. <laughs> so the email says assignment up there. It can just scan your inbox, find the file, automatically upload it. And then maybe if you wanted to ping you a notification to your mobile phone that the file is now there, you can do that. You could upload your notes to a specific file in Google Drive and then get it automatically to email students to say, hey, your homework is ready. Instead of having to email and find all the email addresses for the people, it can just do it. You can add nice. new bookings through that magical tidy curl system or any booking scheduler, a lot of them. You can add those to your email list. If you've got a newsletter, you can get a Slack message. You can get a Slack message to them. You can, something I've recently done is uh, you can get it to text you an hour before you've got an appointment that's about to come up. So you could, Ooh. it can do that. Yes, yes. It's such a, it's difficult to kind of put my finger on how you would use it best because it is so, so versatile. Um, you could add a new student who books in through your magical scheduler. I think, I think we know what's going in the top three. You could add that student to a little spreadsheet or to a little database or to somewhere else. You could get an automation out to the student that automatically sends them your terms and conditions and says, okay, can you please reply to me? You can get it to send them a reminder. You could send out a tweet to say, welcome to my online course to this particular person. If you get them to put a Twitter um, username in there, if people are submitting questions for your lessons, then you could maybe set up a little online form in Google Forms or paper form or type form or wherever, and then just get it to get Zapier to email those questions to you or to pop them into a different spreadsheet. It just is so, so versatile. Um, for a long time, I used Zapier a lot because uh, my website builder, Squarespace, didn't really talk very well to, it, it still doesn't. It doesn't really like talking to many um, email newsletter softwares. So I kind of would set up Zapier in the background and it's actually set up to do that. So when somebody fills in a form to sign up to my newsletter on my website, I would just get Zapier to do all of the backend work for me. And we used it very heavily with Language League, um, posting reminders for upcoming calls in the Facebook group so that everybody would you know, see a reminder an hour before. There just is so much versatility to it. It's such a great automation system and it's got a really great like explore tab and actually a really great blog as well. So I'm a big fan of Zapier. Mm, I second that. And you're trying to do, you're trying to think of the description for it. And I've been thinking as you've been talking, it's mm -hmm. almost like I've got two descriptions. Number one, it's like your first employee in the sense that when you think, Oh, how do I get all this done? I need someone to do the admin. Zapier's like that, right? Oh my gosh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, I'm thinking, okay, it's kind of like the middleman because it talks to think one thing to another. But then I'm like, yeah, middleman, let's go for middle human. Then I'm like, but it's literally a robot. It's the middle robot. That's what it is. It's the middle <laughs> robot middle that robot. is your first employee. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot because when you... When you are working with with people, you might have something like uh, you might have something like an assistant and say, okay, well, when this and this and this needs to be set up, here are the steps that you need to take. And it's actually a really useful. It Zapier teaches you to think in that logical way that if you ever work with a person helping you in your little business later on you know how to think about the step-by-step -step and how to think systematically. So it's actually a really good training ground as well for you to design workflows and think in a workflow-friendly way. Yeah, definitely. Mm, yeah, so it's difficult for me to give like one specific template because it so depends on what the particular doodah is that you're using. But I, do will, I will give a shout out to the Notion app because they've recently, only recently come onto Zapier. So there's lots of exciting things that you can do now with Zapier and Notion, none of which I have tried so far, <laughs> but I will do. So that was my tool number two, Zapier. Nice. Would you like my 
tool number three, my oh, final. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final tool. So the final general idea is something to send email from, right? Like Google Mail? And the, sorry? Like Google Mail? Aha. Not like Google Mail, not like Gmail, because like if you want to send, you know, a newsletter or if you want to be like, oh, hey, I have a new thing. You should totally buy it or send like a big you know, announcement to lots of people, mm-hmm. you can't really do that in Gmail because, uh, you know, you might forget very easily to click the BCC button and then you've shared everyone's email with everybody. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, like it it, it just isn't really possible. So you're going to need something to kind of manage that, to keep your email list because your email list, you've probably heard by this by this point, if you've been teaching online for a little while that like, your email list is much more important than any number, any number of followers or whatever on social media, because they could disappear, they could change the rules, whatever. But your email list is much more a connection. And honestly, I think what's great about it is social media is very public, right? Email is still a very private thing that even though there's like the distraction in there of other emails, you tend to read it when you're on your own, you know, rather than maybe just scrolling casually on social media when you're met perhaps with people sometimes even right so email in that sense is quite important as mm-hmm. well and so the tool in question now I've done the intro spiel yes, like I'm about to yes. like open an envelope at an award ceremony is um convert kit that's my option for email convert kit which you've been you've been with convert for kid for a long time right you've been using that for years yeah, a long time. I did use Mailchimp at first. Mm-hmm. Me too, actually. Yeah, not for very, very long. Um, yeah, not for long at all. Maybe a year, eighteen months, possibly. Yeah. Um, but then I moved over to ConvertKit. It did more. It still does more. Mailchimp has improved in that time, I should add. Um, but yeah, ConvertKit is still the option that I would recommend, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And to to add to what you said about the the importance of sending an email newsletter and and not doing it from like your um email account you i think i think there is a benefit if you are kind of professionalizing and doing your first sort of i'm legit i'm legit kind of things i think yeah. there is a real benefit to sending um something to people's inbox that it doesn't have to be like beautifully over designed but at least has a header you know that is like just an image that straight away tells them, oh, yeah, this is an email from Kirsten. Why did I sign up to this? Because everybody's on email lists these days, right? Everybody gets newsletters. And I think it's important to have some kind of way of, say, identifying yourself. And then ConvertKit in particular is a good one because the way that their emails come through, they tend to have what's called a high deliverability rate, I believe, uh, which means you can reach a lot of people in more or less their actual inbox. Because if you're going to have, if you're going to make that effort and ask people to sign up to your newsletter, so you can maybe tell them when you've got an offer running or something like that. And then for 75% of them, it lands in spam. That's really disappointing. And it actually doesn't serve them either. They might have wanted to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. So ConvertKit, what are what do you think is the, the best thing about ConvertKit for you? Why do you like it the most? Mm, I like the kind of like automations. So similar to what you were saying with Zapier in this case of it, like, you know, we said about it, it's almost like your first employee. It does the little admin in the background. It does mm. all the things that could easily take up lots of time. ConvertKit does that too. So there's automations in the sense of um like sequences so you can have like a welcome sequence set up so that when someone joins they automatically get your welcome email your hello they know a little bit about who you are it's not just like a case of yep join and then just wait until you email but actually you're on holiday so it's going to be three weeks you know that's not going to happen um it also has it connects really well to all that stuff for automation as well. So for example, you know, when someone enrolls on something for me in Thrivecart, I've got it set up in Thrivecart. I think it's called behavior, which is essentially like a Zapier. So what that does is that then sends people that then tags people in ConvertKit. So I know, oh, they're a member or they're enrolled on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also then send them a sequence, like a welcome sequence for that particular thing saying like, you know, here's the link to log in, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I have, you know, not just like 
when I say welcome sequence, it's not just the first thing because I then have it set so that after like a set time, I don't know, six weeks or whatever, it sends like a survey, you know, a quick check in. How are you doing? How are you getting on with the course? Blah, blah, blah. All of that's just done. Hands off. I've got it once. I've set it every now and then I'll go in and tweak things. Um, but yeah, it's good for that. Mm-hmm. And it's developed for it is developed for bloggers essentially it's kind of developed for people who are the sort of one person developing online courses or one person doing something again it's fairly lightweight because the thing i used to use before it it was called active campaign also very mm -hmm. good um i can't complain about it but the reason i made a switch after a little while was that convertkit just felt lighter and easier to use there's just not this thing like with Active campaign. If you have a typo in your email that you you were about to send out, and then you notice the typo, you have to click like three times and sit there waiting for pages to load. And over time, oh. it's just this little bit of a friction that you kind of don't want to look at. <laughs> Whereas in ConvertKit, I found it just fairly easy to just click to the right place and make the little switch that I want to make. Yeah. So again, really, really good. And I want to again, listeners, um, certainly. What Lindsay mentioned, the scheduler and what Lindsay mentioned in terms of the email list system, uh, I believe if you are an online teacher setting yourself up as an independent you know, business owner of some kind, which from experience, I'd certainly recommend. It's, it's great. It's fun. It's a really wonderful way to work. If you're going to do that, then I think those two, a scheduler and an email system, they should be on your shopping list and you can't read, you can go a lot more wrong than ConvertKit and TidyCal. And again, I'm bigging up Lindsay's choices. Not that it's a competition. Let me bring you my last choice. Go for it. I'm <laughs> ready. Tools. This is a tool. I, I can sort of remember what I did before it, but it's just this sort of natural place where I go now where there are, There is just such, it's such a solution to a problem that I didn't even really know that I had, which is, it's called Canva. And it's this sort of web-based graphic design warehouse where for some, in some magical way, they have managed to create a user interface and a user experience for you when you're using it that makes you, that, that makes it really hard Same as same reason why I like Squarespace actually makes it fairly hard to come up with something that looks really bad. So it's <laughs> I love That's Squarespace. Very true. Just, it just makes That's very true with Canva. Yeah, it's I don't know. There are so many templates and everything is kind of pre-sized. So if you're looking for even if you're just doing your courses and you've just set up your first like Facebook or Instagram account or God forbid you're on TikTok, which I don't know how to use you you know and you're looking for or that cover for your YouTube video, or you're looking for that blog graphic, or you're thinking, oh, I wonder what it would look like if I put this on Pinterest, or even you want to make a workbook for your course, or you want to make a presentation. It's very, very, very versatile and filled to the brim with so many excellent templates. I feel it brings together all this stuff that we had before, but we kind of cobbled it together from the web and maybe like I have this photo editing software called Pixelmator and everything was kind of heavy whereas if you just quickly pop onto Canva even on your mobile phone you can whip together a graphic that doesn't look bad that is in the right size you download it and you pop it up on whatever social media you're using so I think if you're if you need any kind of graphic for any kind of marketing which you probably do in some sort of basic way Canva is It's just a natural place where you'd go. Lindsay, what did we do before Canva? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do use Canva. I still use, before Canva, I used um, like Photoshop. And then I still use the Adobe stuff like Photoshop and um, Illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, and I use the Audition for podcast editing. But I still use those for occasional things. But I use Canva for like, I just need a quick image or I need lots of like promo images that I then want to resize correctly, like for social media, it does that really well. On the pro version, I think the resize feature is. Yes, yeah, it is the pro version. <laughs> for some reason, I'm I'm a Canva cheapskate still, um, and I still don't use it. But also the sharing feature is so fantastic, right? Mm. You can I can quite quickly, like, 
Um, I have... I have uh, obviously I've got some help with with the podcast and I just have a template for a little episode you know all the little pictures that you get every week that show you what the fluent show episode title is and then the little picture that you get that's like the little header on the fluent show website those are all made in Canva and it's because I made myself a template I said I want it to be this size I can pull in stock photos from Unsplash, which is a great resource of really nice looking stock photos. You can just kind of pull them in uh, and it just combines so many really decent things and puts them all together and is an absolute just winner of a resource. Mm. You know what mm. I saw recently? Like, I, I don't know what I was doing, a Canva rabbit hole or something like that. You know what, what people are using Canva for now? What's like that? Promoting club nights. You know, if you might make a flyer for like your indie indie disco. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So anything, anything where you think DIY graphic design, you can't really get around Canva. It is an excellent, excellent resource. It integrates really interestingly with, um, I think it integrates with Spotify now. So you can upload your episode art straight away somehow. Uh, it integrates with various social media machines uh social media sites. social b it integrates with as well mm -hmm. schedulers yeah it just allows you to do a lot and it talks to a lot which again is that zapier concept of it's almost inevitable that you're going to have about 400 different services on the go and this is a way to get them all to talk to each other and that's really you want you want everything to talk to each other as much as possible on that note can I make a final point before we pick our favourites? Because I know I mentioned at the start, it sometimes feels very overwhelming, like, oh, but I don't have that specific one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, I'm going to be a failure. I also think that there is this feeling of, oh, do I have to have that many things? Can't mm -hmm. I just have one? And then you'll look for one solution that does apparently all of the things. And I just want to say, in my opinion... I would rather have things because there are such good ways that these things all connect to each other. I'd rather have things that have been, been designed well to do one thing mm. or to, you know what I mean? Rather than to have one thing with lots of options that are kind of a bit cobbled together. So that's a point as well that although it sometimes feels like, oh, there's going to be so many tools I need, focus on what you need to start with get the things as you need them when you need them you know and in addition but then also you know remember that you can still move forward with your online teaching without all of the things but as you get them don't feel that oh but I should have got this one to do everything because you know get quality get things that are going to do the job right yeah I think I, I know what you mean I think there's also certain tools market themselves as the all-in-one tool that might have yeah. a website builder and a scheduler and online course hosting and also um, coaching and all that kind of stuff. And every now and then I've spoken to people who really love them, but I often find that there's people who say, it does this, but I'm frustrated because it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do X. It doesn't do that. Yeah, it yeah. just ends up being a bit half-baked, right? And you're paying for functionality. You're not, you know, there's potential that you're not going to use. So it's actually better to look yeah. at what you really need. And then just, I mean, seriously, just look at look at what Zapier can do um and you can always get things to talk to each other I don't know how I ended up with like a website builder and a podcast hosting um website and then another website that hosts my online courses but each of the three is so good individually and I don't think exactly. there is a website that could that would give me that those three mm. things that are specific to my needs right as a as a business yeah yeah Exactly. So, yeah, I just wanted to make that point as well before we head into the final. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't, <laughs> you know, don't get don't get too hung up on like which one is the best one. Um, I think the choices that we have given you and this is why I wanted to give specific tools. I think these are all all six of them have like our seal of approval and they are really, really, really good. But if for some reason you don't want to use Canva and you're just an illustrator kind of kind of gal, or, uh, I don't know, a a Skype kind of person or a Microsoft Teams kind of person, if you're out there somewhere, I don't know who you are, then that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. It is yeah. about the functionality first and then about the tool choice. And don't spend too much time on the tool choices because even, like, I have moved my whole newsletter from one system to another and it 
it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, exactly. All right. And with that being said, Top Tools final. Should we do it like Eurovision? Oh, we haven't done it. Don't get me started. Poor James. Poor James. I'm I'm gutted, but actually, when you see, like, it was so strong. This year's so Eurovision strong. was a banger. It was so good. It was, yeah, like he didn't deserve nil poire times two, but I think it actually when you see everything, yeah, I said it was left side of the board. I can see why it was right side of the board. The staging wasn't as good. I'm so delighted though that from a language perspective, I think it was the top five. There was one song in English. Mm. Like, how good is that? And then, you know, so many of those songs went on to be in like the Spotify viral playlists for weeks. Even now, they're still there, right? Like, just oh, so much joy. I fell in, I fell hard in love with the Ukrainian entry. I just yes. loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. <laughs> yes. And again, it's... It, it's more magical, I think, for not being in English, because I don't even know how you would do that in English. Do you know much about the song? Sorry, this is a massive sidetrack, and I will be very quick. Okay. Uh, I know it's about the spirit of a forest, and I have seen the video, and in the video, there's a sort of half a second shot of Chernobyl. So I'm kind of yeah. going to make some connections and guesses that it's about nature. Nature's yeah, healing much. with a virus. Um, well, it's not so much there's a virus, because it's a, like... I think I could be totally wrong. I'm pretty sure it's like a traditional Ukrainian folk song mm-hmm. that has that's like a summoning of spring that has then been just electrified, technofied, into, yeah, yeah, into what they made it into this like techno folk rave, which is just phenomenal, and then sung in front of the whole world. Like it's quite beautiful in a way, and Monoskin as well. Like oh. Their little hearts. He ripped his trousers. He did not do drugs. Just so much joy. Oh, that's true. It. That's the Italian band that won. Yeah. Ah, oh, so oh, sorry, listeners. This is our Eurovision recap, and we're done now. And this, it's like yep. a little, you know, it's like a little intersection where they keep you waiting before they announce the winner. That's pretty much what we do. <laughs> we are the like. We, we, this is better the than entertainment. Any nobody wants to see. <laughs> yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay end of interval back to the top tools let's get let's get to it okay we have got just as a recap tidy cow the tidy clean easy scheduler thrive card the lightweight way to take payments and deliver all sorts of good stuff convert kit the email newsletter aficionados happy day i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna keep going with this Uh, we've got zoom in particular, Zoom breakout rooms, which allow you to liven up your lessons in all sorts of ways and all sorts of ways and work with groups and all sorts of happy things and good stuff. And then we have Zapier, the workflow wonder. And finally, Canva, the graphic design resource that keeps on giving because it can do kind of everything and it's really hard to make things ugly. So TidyCal, ThriveCard, ConvertKit, Zoom breakout rooms, Zapier and Canva. Lindsay, I've got two faves, but tell me what's on your mind. Okay, I'm trying to think because they're all such good choices. I'm trying to think of like different areas of your online teaching business, right? So I'm trying to think in particular like the teaching side and then like the marketing side. So I'm I'm kind of drawing towards Mm. suggesting Tidy Cow because that's necessary for the actual teaching bit. I want to say Canva because that's solid marketing. Mm. I do want to say ConvertKit because that's really good, but that's also marketing. So I'm trying to like balance things, which is making me think that my third choice would probably be Zapier as like Switzerland. It connects all the things. Yeah, yeah. Zapier is a great resource because it allows you to make your teaching life easier. It allows you to make your marketing life easier. It kind of exactly does a bit of everything. That's what I was going for. Yes. I was also going to go for Canva because I feel, I just feel like it's one of those where I'm thinking, how did I, it's, I, I almost thought when I wrote it down, it's too obvious. It's just such a class act is Canva. So let's go with Canva for sure. Okay. I think Zapier 
is in there for me for the versatility. Like you make a good point, but we cannot get around tidy car. We cannot get around convert kit on the concepts, like Lindsay said, on the concepts. So what would you, okay, what would I rather you have if you're just starting out? It would be a newsletter rather than a scheduler. I think it's okay if you've got four students to go back and forth a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think you should probably, if you're, even if you're half serious, um, I think it's just so good. And I don't want... With social media, I, I see this more and more and more. Like people, instead of have, having a website, people say, oh, like I'm Find still on working Instagram. on my website, but I'm on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. And I feel like Instagram owns all your stuff, right? And it's so yeah. easy to forget to back up your images and back up all of your posts that you've written that you put so much effort in. And that could all be gone one day. You're kind of, we're just all donating it to the Zuckerbergs. And I'm guilty as much as everybody else because I don't back up my posts well enough. Zapier should come in handy for that, actually. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to set that up. to get that. I will. Yeah. I will. Because, you know, you write such good... And the more you use it as your website, the more you think about what you're writing in your post. And you're using it... People use it as a blog almost now. Yeah. And you are subject to an algorithm and you are subject to... You know, like, you're just not playing on your own ground in the same way that you are when you have a website and actually also a newsletter. And it's, again, yeah. it's that feeling of, I, I, you, we just have to say it that way, if you're not paying for whatever online service you're using, then to a certain extent, you are the product. Yeah, yeah. So they are, they, they kind of need you to survive, so they're always going to, and then they don't just need you, right? So Instagram also has an interest in distracting people from the hard work that you are doing. Whereas if you if you're sending those emails, if you have people on your own kind of home turf, website is even better. Like that goes without yeah. saying. Maybe we should have actually talked about websites but next time. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why I would... Both of them are really excellent. Thrivecard is... Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's excellent as a tool, but I think it's for more advanced teachers. So I'm going to come down Agreed. on the ConvertKit side because... I just think it's good practice to start with this really, really, really early to have your newsletter. Even if you don't email lots and lots and lots, just get into that habit and it allows you to claim your authority and you're not like donating yourself to Instagram or to whatever social media platform you're using. Yeah. After that rant. Um, so I'm coming down on probably Canva, ConvertKit and Zapier. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a fave among them? I don't think so. It's really, they're so different, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, they kind of are there for those different reasons. And yeah, I don't think I could just pick, put them in an order. That's this true. This is like Eurovision all over again. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's true. And listeners, please, if you're an online teacher or you've got any kind of online business, you want to make courses, let us know. Let me know what you think about these choices, where, where you would come down, what else you are using for your, for your websites. It's super, super interesting. You can get links to everything we've mentioned today and Lindsay's video about Zoom, which was it a lab leak? Was it not? We don't know. We're never going to know. <laughs> <laughs> And a link to AppSumo as well. So all of that is going to be at fluent.show slash 220. Don't forget that the Fluent Show is going to be on a summer break now. So join me in a holiday of podcast freedom if you want. Or maybe have a look, have a little browse through the archives, the Fluent Show archives, which are many, many, many full, plentiful and many. <laughs> and you can access them at fluent.show or wherever you get your podcasts. So just kind of have a look through things that we have done before and I wish you all a really wonderful relaxing summer enjoy language learning I hope wherever you are in the world that the conditions are looking really good where you are that you will be able to emerge from the global pandemic you're feeling safe you're feeling healthy as my German podcast host always says when they sign off bleiben sie gesund und tapfer which means what does that mean stay healthy and brave Brave. I love it. Yeah. Bleiben Sie gesund und tapfer. So that's me signing off. Lindsay Williams, any last any last words, any last con additions or conclusions to the podcast? I don't think so. Stay healthy and brave. Stay healthy and brave. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay Williams.
Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.